Welcome to the House of Surgery, a podcast brought to you by the American College of Surgeons. In this series, you'll hear from and about surgeons in all specialties, in all practice configurations, and in all locations, their success stories, advice, challenges they've overcome, and words of inspiration as they serve their patients with quality, integrity, and professionalism, and strive to heal all with skill and trust. In this episode, Dr. Stephen Wexner talks with Dr. Tim Mullett, Chair of the ACS Commission on Cancer and Medical Director of the Markey Cancer Center Affiliate Network in Lexington, Kentucky. They discuss recent activities and accomplishments of the COC, how everyone can get involved in cancer prevention and cancer care initiatives, upcoming changes to the National Cancer Database, and cancer program content that will be presented at the upcoming ACS Clinical Congress in Boston this October. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and not necessarily those of the American College of Surgeons. Enjoy the program. Hi, I'm Dr. Steve Wexner, the director of the Ellen Liefer Schulman and Steve Schulman Digestive Disease Center at Cleveland Clinic, Florida, a colorectal surgeon and a proud member of the Commission on Cancer. With me today is Dr. Tim Mullett, who is the chair of the Commission on Cancer. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Steve. It's always a good time to talk to you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. I always learn from you, and I enjoy working under your leadership these last several years. One of the most recent events at which we had uh, a lot of exchange for not only the uh, cancer programs members and the COC members, but uh, all of the um, fellows, as well as many other caretakers uh, at large, was the May meet. And I'd like to start out, if I might, just to ask you a little bit about what is the COC? Who's in the COC? What do you do? Well, that's great, Steve. I, I, I think it's important to recognize the Commission on Cancer is a um, uh, it's one of the programs of the cancer programs within the quality uh, initiative of the American College of Surgeons. And so uh, while we have a number of quality programs that involve bariatrics or surgical quality, um, uh, cancer programs is one that encompasses several initiatives to try and improve the quality of cancer care that we deliver. The Commission on Cancer represents 1,500 cancer programs across the United States that um, monitors the performance of these programs according to uh, evidence-based guidelines. And so as they uh, continue to document the quality of care that they deliver, we have a process of monitoring that comes in and evaluates these programs once every three years and accredits these programs to identify them as representing the high standards that we have across the continuum of cancer care, whether it's from early detection and screening or prevention mechanisms through cancer treatment, including surgical management, uh, all the way through survivorship, palliative care, end-of-life care. Uh, Some of our recent uh, initiatives have been incorporating uh, synoptic reporting on certain cancer surgeries and uh, making certain that the surgeons are fully engaged in the multidisciplinary management of cancer care. So it's a it's an exciting process to that has led to an improvement in quality of cancer care uh, over the hundred years that it's been in existence. 
Indeed, and I can attest to that on a personal and an institutional note. So the COC does a lot of work behind the scenes, as do the components of the cancer program, all of the components of the cancer program, uh, NCDB, AJCC. But in addition to the behind the scenes work that goes on daily with periodic meetings, there's the May meeting to which I alluded at the beginning of our conversation. What happened that was exciting at that meeting? You, you briefly mentioned a couple of initiatives. What, what are some of the key takeaways that people would get, as you say, excited about and go home and say, we're going to implement this. This is happening. Here's how we're improving cancer care across the country. Oh, that's a that's a great. The the May meeting is is really uh, the if you think about the rhythm of how our commission on cancer goes through the year, uh, we start out the year with some uh, uh, some level setting retreats and and gathering information from many organizations, and then we bring everyone together in the springtime to uh, to talk about. Uh, really, and, and this was a, this, the exciting thing about this year's spring meeting was that it was really the first time we've had a chance to get uh, back together again in person, uh, you know, with the pandemic and with virtual meetings and other things, we've been separated for a bit. So it was really exciting to get back in Chicago uh, to sit together and talk about some of the key features of what's going on in cancer care. And we really had a chance to to focus on uh, some some important issues. One was a, a sneak peek at the American College of Surgeons Quality Campaign, introducing that and how it's going to influence our work in the Commission on Cancer and other cancer programs like National Accreditation in Breast Centers, National Accreditation Program in Rectal Centers, Cancer. And so, um, you know, this quality campaign we're going to talk more about as we get into this, but uh, was was very exciting to see how we are going to be reflecting uh, the role of surgery in improving cancer care quality in our area. We also talked about uh, some of the new uh, evaluation and evolution of our COC standards. Uh, and then we had some really interesting breakout sessions on describing the value of Commission on Cancer Accreditation in various ways. Uh, and then finally, we had interesting time to talk about uh, the importance of equity in cancer care and understanding that um, that we need to really work to identify those patients that may be disadvantaged through access uh, or through other social drivers of health that may be decreased, decreasing their ability to get quality cancer care, whether it's rural cancer programs or smaller cancer programs, uh, people of color uh, and people of uh, of low social socioeconomic status or or lower uh, educational attainment these issues uh, have a big influence on how patients receive their care and so we wanted to know from our members of the commission on cancer who gathered in may uh, how we might be able to drive these issues into our standards so that we can better access cancer quality quality cancer care for everybody what were some of the answers? What were some of the ideas that came out in these breakout sessions for how to indeed that problem? Well, I think it's important that we we took a close look at all of our standards and we really felt that we did not find any way that we were exacerbating or exaggerating any of these disparities. But if we really applied our standards, they really provided a, a template for our programs to try and address uh, how to bring these equity issues in. Um, and so, for example, we talked about how we might be able to use some of our standards like barriers to care, identifying these barriers, and then coming up with local solutions to be able to address some of those problems that show up. 
whether it's transportation barriers or whether it's uh, uh, financial assistance or other support where we can identify populations in an individual program and help them get the care they need. Other areas were uh, such as uh, survivorship. Uh, you know, many times patients finish their treatment and wind up going off and not really knowing what the next step is. And some patients are more vulnerable to this than others. And so really making sure that we were driving uh, opportunities for understanding disparities in our survivorship uh, was another area that we thought was a real opportunity for improvement in our programs. Um, so just leveraging our COC standards to be able to have a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion so that more patients can uh, can be cared for. Um, and then I, I think the other issue that we were able to drive in was that we have a number of tools in our uh, data, whether it's in the National Cancer Database that all of our programs participate in, or it's in local data that programs are delivering from their uh, electronic health record or from other sources, and to be able to use that data uh, to identify disparities. And so we had a number of, uh, number of systems that were examined to be able to, uh, to see how we might be able to demonstrate disparities in screening or disparities in treatment. And then, uh, of course, everything comes down to how the local program is going to respond to this to see if they're going to be able to uh, address these disparities that are identified. So you mentioned disparities, and earlier in the conversation, you also mentioned the uh, the period during COVID when, of course, people didn't get together. And although we didn't get together as healthcare providers, patients didn't get together with us to get their their screening. Uh, was that also a, a topic in May? And we have any uh, answers or proposed solutions there to kind of make up that that gap? Kind of a two part question. Number one is the DEI problem exacerbated? Was it exacerbated during COVID, right? In other words, was there, was there a bigger gap in disadvantaged populations or underrepresented minority populations versus other groups? And then how are we looking to fix it? Well, you know, I think what we were able to do is the pandemic rolled in in 2020 and we identified, we began to see concerns raised about, you, you mentioned screening, uh, and so in 2021, we ran a, uh, a campaign called Return to Screening, uh, which was uh, directed at all programs to try to increase screening uh, and uh, in, in those areas where screening is recommended, such as breast and uh, lung and uh, colon cancer. And, and that had really dropped off with the pandemic because of the limitations to what was perceived as, as elective procedures like colonoscopy. Uh, or even CT scanning. And so uh, when we were able to get back, we saw that patients weren't coming. And so we started this return to screening initiative and asked programs to measure and improve their ability to screen across the board. And, uh, and so we were able to see that there was an increase in upwards of 70,000 additional screens performed per month uh, during the course of the study. So it was uh, an exciting result. Um, and so I think we've seen uh, that programs have been able to uh, address disparities uh, by identifying which which populations or segments of their service area that they've uh, seen persistence in their decreases in screening. And so it allows programs to really provide resources in areas where they're needed, such as uh, 
areas of low income or patients that have lower access to uh, to healthcare. We've carried that forward uh, with the with that quality improvement initiative uh, into uh, other areas that uh, we think are important, such as uh, uh, tobacco use. And so we've had two uh, initiatives that have come forward and these national quality improvement programs where we've had uh, as many as 700 programs across the country participate in these quality improvement initiatives, such as Just Ask, uh, where we try and evaluate the assessment of patients using tobacco in cancer care. Uh, And we've seen a significant increase in our ability to evaluate whether patients are at risk for tobacco use uh, during their cancer care. And so uh, the second part of that was a was a feature called Beyond Ask, uh, where we're going beyond just asking. We're now getting patients' assistance to get them into tobacco treatment. And we've seen, we're, we're running that project now, and uh, we're already beginning to see an improvement in programs that are assisting patients that are using tobacco uh, into tobacco treatment programs. And so, you know, I think that's the beauty of weaving the diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout our standards is that that becomes a feature of everything we do. Uh, so that how you're evaluating your screening patients has to involve some element of equity. How you're evaluating your patients at risk for tobacco has to involve some element of making sure that you're capturing your entire population, not just uh, privileged segments. Uh, excellent point. Um, and, and in fact, it kind of brings to mind that the COC is not represented as some people in other disciplines of surgery may not realize. It's not just surgeons. It's not even just doctors. And maybe just digress for a moment and tell us about the other types of groups who really are patient advocacy groups who can get this message out and, and help us fix some of these problems. Yeah, that you raise a, an excellent point, And that's, um, you know, Cancer care is a team sport, and it really involves uh, elements of uh, of the community um, and really awareness about cancer and cancer risk. Uh, and so that helps us with uh, increasing uh, the identification of these cancers, ideally decreasing the development of these cancers to begin with. Uh, but that may involve community health workers, that may involve community outreach from each of the facilities that are involved in our Commission on Cancer. Um, and then nursing care is, is fully incorporated in how we evaluate patients with screening or how we evaluate patients with uh, that are identified to have cancers in various ways. Uh, and so uh, we engage our treating providers, uh, whether it's surgery, medical oncology, radiation oncology, tobacco treatment specialists, any of these specialists that are involved in aspects of cancer care. Um, and in that is our entire teams, and those may be uh, may be recognized in our um, in our commission. We recognize them as part of what we call member organizations. And there's a, upwards of seventy member organizations now that really represent the spectrum of not only the clinical features of various elements of doctors and nurses and physical therapists, and pharmacists, and uh, uh, occupational therapists, social workers, all across the board. Um, dietary care and so forth, but there's also specialty organizations from each of our specialties, like like yours in colorectal surgery, and mine in society of thoracic surgery, or um, uh, or, or other or government organizations such as the NCI uh, or um, 
Department of Defense or the Commission or the CDC. So all of these have aspects of influencing cancer care. And so we want them at the table when we're making decisions about how we're going to drive standards in cancer care. Great. And, and the purpose of the standards, of course, is you know, evidence-based practice to ultimately improve outcomes, which folds into the quality campaign, uh, which, which of course makes great sense. Now, these are a lot of exciting initiatives that you've mentioned here identifying problems, solving problems. How does a, somebody listening to this podcast who wants to help solve the problem get involved? Well, this is uh, the Commission on Cancer is, um, uh, is again, part of the uh, cancer programs. And uh, people can become involved through these member organizations. Uh, they can be a representative of their member organization, or they can be one of a uh, of a hundred uh, members that represent the American College of Surgeons as fellows of the American College of Surgeons. So, our membership of the COC is is um, you know approaching half uh, of them are are surgeons, and half are represented by folks that are from these other member organizations. So, it's a, a very diverse group. Um, People can apply to be a member of the Commission on Cancer. Every year, we go through the process of uh, of electing uh, a series of people as uh, our terms will wind down. Uh, then there will be openings on the Commission on Cancer every year, and people can submit their applications. Uh, those that are involved with member organizations can uh, solicit their organization to be a representative to be on the Commission on Cancer. And we have a number of people that participate in our committees that are part of uh, special uh, have special interests and want to bring something special to the to the table. And so we can have additional members that can participate, um, whether they're a member of the COC or whether they would or, or not. And so um, I think that's a, it's a very open group to be able to allow folks to uh, to uh, have their uh, voice heard. And uh, we're expanding our uh, experience with uh, bringing in the patient's voice and bringing in uh, the, uh, how we reflect the commission to, um, to our patients, to our programs, uh, to providers such as surgeons and other medical providers, but also to healthcare policymakers and to uh, payers, because uh, all of this reflects on the cost of cancer care. And so we want to make sure that they understand we're doing this to, to make high quality cancer care, which is going to be cheaper in the long run and better outcomes. Yeah. And, and you mentioned cancer care, and it just uh, brings up a, a point that cancer prevention uh, is also something that, that we all talk about. And, and I'm wondering what are the initiatives in that direction? Well, you know, we, we talked a little bit about tobacco uh, in the context of a cancer diagnosis, but uh, obviously being able to influence the uh, risk factors, whether it's uh, tobacco or obesity or uh, heavy metal exposure or a number of things. So there's there's risk factors that can be reduced. But, um, you know, I think there's uh, also uh, being able to approach the primary care doctor and help them understand uh, their role in cancer prevention um, and early detection. And so uh, we're really active in trying to get our message out beyond just what happens in the cancer program, so to speak, in terms of the chemo infusion suite or the operating room, uh, but 
or the radiation vault, but trying to get outside of that to make sure that we are trying to reduce these cancers that can be formed to begin with. So it's all part of the continuity of cancer care. Great. And, and as we think about continuity, we move from the, the May meeting, which happened to the annual clinical Congress, which is coming up. And that's the, the continuity, the chronologic continuity and, and the work of the COC. And um, I suspect far more people will have an opportunity to attend the sessions of the annual clinical Congress that, than in May, just by sheer numbers. Can you tell us about some of the new directions that are going to be um, highlighted, uh, featured speakers and, and, and symposia at the annual clinical congress in October? Well, I, we have some uh, opportunities in the annual in the um, October meeting that are coming up. We're going to talk a lot about the new directions in the national cancer database uh, that involves some more rapid. Uh, acquisition of data and reporting it back to our programs. And so we're, the college has been working very hard over the last couple of years to try and increase the speed with which data gets back into the hands of these programs so that our cancer programs can, uh, can really make changes in their program in a more real-time way. So talking a little bit about where we're going with the National Cancer Database, uh, we'll have our uh, we always have an interesting uh, paper competition with uh, uh, papers that have been judged through the course of the year that are going to be presented as the winning papers. And uh, so those are uh, always interesting to hear from. Uh, we'll have our new elections as far as our new officers that are going to be coming forward. We're going to talk a little bit about a new health equity task force DEI toolkit that's going to be available for our programs to be able to to really operationalize what we were talking about, where we're using our standards to address uh, disparities uh, and not just document them, but to actually make changes. And then we're going to have an opportunity to talk about uh, what are we doing with regard to uh, increasing access of rural cancer care uh, into COC accreditation. Um, and so we have uh, uh, some reporting from our uh, our friends in Iowa that are going to share some updates on the work that they've done in uh, trying to enhance rural cancer care access, building on what we've done in Kentucky and other locations. So we're we're really excited about our October meeting coming up uh, for the Commission on Cancer, um, and then following that is the Clinical Congress, where we have uh, upwards of uh, over 13 presentations that are going to be given through the course of the week. And uh, so we really are blessed to have a, a, a real presence in the uh, Clinical Congress. And so we're looking forward to that. We encourage everyone to come to our COC lecture on Wednesday, uh, but also to, uh, uh, to look for those uh, cancer program sponsored uh, initiatives that are peppered throughout the uh, Clinical Congress. Uh, Tim, you certainly whet my appetite for the meeting. I, I know I'll be there on the Sunday. Uh, I always look forward to hearing the the great papers that are presented, uh, seeing and congratulating the new fellows who are elected to represent the college. Um, but you, you've certainly also piqued my interest for the Wednesday COC lecture, which is always a, a landmark uh, lecture. It's always one of the high points of the annual clinical congress. So can you give us a glimpse into what to expect this year? Well, as you know, cancer care is, uh, is, is more and more being defined by genomics and uh, um, by the genetic basis of this disease. 
And so we're really excited to be uh, announcing our um, uh, COC named lecturer is uh, lecturer is uh, Jennifer Wargo uh, from uh, MD Anderson, and she is uh, uh, going to be speaking to us on uh, the role of genomics in uh, in cancer care. Uh, her research has been looking at both uh, genomics as well as the impact of the microbiome on uh, on cancer and so she's clearly a uh, trailblazer in this area and we are excited to hear from her about um, these newer facets of uh, of cancer care and so i'm uh, thrilled to be able to see her uh, to hear her work and uh, and to be able to see her in the uh, in the session on wednesday thank you for bringing that up no, th thank you for arranging it with the college. It sounds like a really exciting and uh, a highly informative session. Uh, just a few other things to touch on uh, with the COC, and, and, and one is engagement for people who are not yet in practice. In other words, residents, fellows, uh, medical students. Can you tell us uh, what the COC is, is working on to get our next generation of uh, healthcare providers engaged? Well, it's it's an important feature for us to to really try to to work in a couple of different areas. One is it's it's important that we're able to get uh, providers that are uh, that are fresh in their treatment uh, and their career uh, to have that perspective that's delivered. Uh, and we have worked hard over the last couple of years to try and increase the transparency and, frankly, the speed with which people are able to move into committees and move up through the uh, the ranks of the Commission on Cancer. And so we really welcome those um, young providers that are coming in, whether they're in, uh, in uh, community practice or in academic practice. We want the voice of, uh, of the spectrum of cancer care across the country to be reflected within the Commission. Um, and uh, we've also made an effort to bring in more people in our committees and in our task force groups that are uh, not just physicians and certainly not just academicians, but making certain that we are bringing in uh, the voice of community providers, of uh, tumor registrars, of um, nurses, uh, and other folks that are engaged in cancer care uh, to make sure that we have uh, the appropriate representation in our standards and our quality improvement initiatives and in our um, efforts as we go forward in the COC. Um, as far as young members such as residents or uh, students, uh, certainly our many of our sessions are open sessions and we would encourage their participation in our uh, meetings uh, in the Congress if they're there. Uh, it would be easy for them to be able to come uh, and participate. The paper competition is uh, based on resident participation, so we're excited to be able to have them participate that way. Um, and frankly, we encourage the evaluation of our data through the National Cancer Database and, and using that data to generate more papers uh, that can help us increase the evidence that we use for, uh, for our grants or for our uh, clinical decision-making. So I, I think that when we would hope that our members would be uh, bringing the younger residents and students along with them as they are uh, engaging in uh, whether it's research questions or whether it's helping in the cancer committee or uh, understanding these uh, the, the work of the Commission on Cancer and their cancer committee and their local programs. 
That, that's great. And, and you mentioned some groups that are uh, certainly important, and one which you uh, happened to name earlier, getting patients more involved in the commission. And I'm wondering if you, on your future viewing glasses, as it were, um, get out your crystal ball, and, and where do you see patients being involved uh, as the COC moves forward into the next several years? Well, I, I, again, I think there's a number of patient advocacy opportunities uh, in uh, specific cancers that may be able to participate. Um, you know, our, our role in the commission is establishing uh, standards and establishing guidelines for patient care. And it obviously requires our input from the patient's voice to be able to make certain that we are uh, reflecting their needs. And so, Having them involved in uh, our, uh, while they may not be in our uh, COC plenary sessions, they may be involved in our decisions and in, in our task force or in our other committees that are making these decisions. And so we we're trying to find ways to include uh, patients and um, uh, and caregivers so that we have uh, their perspective on interpreting our standards. Excellent. Well, I thank you for your time. As always, uh, I certainly learned a lot from our chat, as I do each time you and I have a conversation. Um, I hope that, uh, and I know that, in fact, everyone who's listened to the podcast has also gleaned a lot of key information. I look forward to a very robust turnout at our upcoming cancer sessions during the uh, October Annual Clinical Congress in, in Boston. Appreciate your time, your expertise, and your insights, Tim. Thanks, Steve. It's always a great time to talk with you. Appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing. Thank you for joining us on the House of Surgery podcast, brought to you by the American College of Surgeons. If you like this podcast, please rate it five stars and let your friends and colleagues know about the podcast. On social media, use the hashtag House of Surgery. You can learn more about the American College of Surgeons, its members, programs, products, and services at facs.org.